Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray, and today we're joined by returning guest Ava Foxfort to talk about The Dark Portal, the first book in the Deptford Mice trilogy by Robin Jarvis. A full transcript of this episode will be available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Good evening, Adam and Ava, returning guest, friend of the show, friend of rats. Friend of rats. That's what they call me. That's <laughs> what they call me. Um, what, what am I a friend of? Toucans. Oh, yeah, friend of toucans. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we're here, gathered here, to, to talk about the dark portal. <laughs> as... that sound like a funeral? <laughs> Portal has passed from us, and <laughs> um, it passed passed too soon. Um, only only published in nineteen eighty nine. So yeah, um, uh, written and illustrated by Robin Jarvis, the first book in the Deptford Mice trilogy, um, and. Possibly the most disturbing book. Well, we, I don't know. We did The Witches. It, it's like Red Wall on acid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, oh, dear. It's certainly I, the most anti-cat book that I think you've discussed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad to um, be here for that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I do actually love cats, just for the record. Just, but uh, is it to balance out... All our anti-dog rhetoric. Just, just, just our anti-dog on this. That yeah. I feel like it's about time. <laughs> about time that we had. Well, um, to, to, to be fair, I think last time round I did talk about um, kittens uh, eating rats. I believe uh, at oh. the end, in relation to Tom Kitten, we were trying to sort of balance out the narrative. So uh, sadly, mm. rats uh, don't really come off any better in this book than they have no, previously. They do not. Um. um Arguably, they are possessed by evil plague gas or something. So, you know, they, they know not what they do. Uh, you know, if they'd just been left to their own devices, they'd just be licking slime from off the walls, apparently. Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, that is something I wanted to discuss, the inherent evilness of the rats or not. Um, yeah, they're, they're, as... they're a great bunch of lads. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I think I'm just, I just want to get a sense of the tone of this book. Just, I wanted to read the, the very first paragraph, um, which, uh, goes, when a mouse is born, he has to fight to survive. There are many enemies, owls, foxes, and of course, cats, but mice suffer far more at our hands. 
I've heard of a whole family of kind, gentle mice, wiped out by eating poison. Four generations gone, and only the baby left because it was too small to eat solids. <laughs> um, which kind of feels like a deliberate staking of uh, grimness. Darwinian like, territory. If you can't handle this, like, go no further. Um, yeah. That is also the only place in the book that humans are mentioned. The, uh, the rest is all... Well, there's cars mentioned. Okay. But yeah. I guess they are somewhat discussed as disembodied, autonomous car beings rather than being driven by people. Mm. So, um, so did you cross the threshold as a kid? Did you read this? Um, because I don't think I got any further than the cover. <laughs> um, which cover was that? Um, well, the the cover as drawn by Jarvis himself, I think. Oh uh, yeah, the the dark the the red eyes peering out of the. Um, yeah, yeah, dark, out of the grill. Darkness. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think I had the woven path as a kid, which is another one of his. The first book in another one of his series, which has a kind of um, terrified and slightly scrabbly looking teddy bear uh, and a big scarab beetle like thing. Um, mm. And I remember finding the cover very troubling in a way I found quite hard to place. Um, I don't know what it is about his drawing style um, that I find so disturbing. Mm. It's... Um... It's quite uh, like gloopy, but mm, not quite gloopy. Not quite gloopy, but sort of fleshy. If you could be gloopy and dry Bulbous, at the same time. fleshy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, gloopy mm. and dry at the same time. I get that. <laughs> or kind of like sackcloth, like like the characters have been kind of stuffed, or they've been like. Mm. You know, like they're kind of living taxidermy creatures. Yeah, it's all or about Horniman Museum, isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. Um, no, I, I'd, um, I'd never heard of of Robin Jarvis or his frightening books until very recently. Oh, so what, what, this is all new to me. Oh, what, what about you, yeah. Ava? I've I uh, I read them all. I read them all when I was little, and I can barely could barely remember anything about them, um, except the true nature of Jupiter as revealed as the at the end of this one. Um, that mm. was the one thing that kind of like stuck in my head about it um, was that sort of revelation. Um, uh, but yeah, I I remember loving them. I remember being really really gripped by them. Um, I don't remember being scared, um, but I think that's because I don't remember fear. <laughs> um, apart from <laughs> apart from in the most extreme circumstances, so I don't know whether I repressed that or was just too. I don't know. I may have just been too used to kind of like ridiculous fantastical tales that I just kind of don't think of things as being real. Like for for me. It's got that thing of actually it's thinking about being a mouse and being at that scale that is more scary than the the actual like Lovecraftian <laughs> oh, no, nightmares. We're, we're back to our conversation about the witches. I'm sorry, I do this every time, don't I? <laughs> Your obsession with being turned into a mouse. I just I just I, I wanted to be a mouse, I didn't want to be a mouse. It was a complicated childhood. <laughs> um 
Mm. I was somewhere on the mouse spectrum, but yeah, um, yeah, not all the way. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was strange. It had that feeling as I was reading through it of um, half remembered stuff, and as soon as something happened, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember," mm. but only because I just read it. Um, <laughs> But it felt mm. like a very familiar thing to be reading through, and all of the people, like I, kind of the characters, are kind of warmed to immediately. And um, but I still couldn't tell you anything about what happens in the next books, even now that I've got through this one. Well, there is a um, lot of plot to keep track of. There's a um, lot of plot going on. There's a lot of things, and it's so happy to just bounce between them, like mid paragraph, in a way that um, I really like. But um, it's quite jarring. Yeah, it, mm. it's sort of like Tarantino plotting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it, it's not all in order at all, is it? Like, no. there's definitely some like big leaps forward and back at different times, which is um, you don't expect. Yeah, lots yeah, of cross cutting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I got a bit bewildered. Possibly confusion of the rats' names or not, but. It definitely felt like there was a bit where someone had just been somewhere and then was somehow in a completely different place, and I couldn't place the order of them going back. The uh, the ritual on Blackheath. Oh work yes. Out where yeah. where that happened in relation to everything else. Um. Uh, mm. But that yeah. may have just been me getting confused. I am easily confused. Well, I spent quite a lot of time kind of trying to geographically map where everything was, and of course, you are on that mouse scale. Um, yeah. So, you know, actually, this must be a very small kind of borough of London, presumably. Um, or is it the edge of London? I mean, I, I found this quite interesting with the talk of the countryside as to whether the mice were actually in the countryside and had gone all the way from the countryside to London, or whether when they say the countryside, they just mean someone's suburban garden. Hmm. Mm. I feel like the, the the next book is significantly more rural, if I remember okay. rightly. So I think there is definitely an actual countryside. But yeah, how they scale these distances is quite uh, <laughs> quite a feat. I mean, they are fast little scurriers, the old mice, I guess. <laughs> hmm. Right, so Ren, do you want to go at summing up the plot of this? Uh, yeah, okay. So this is, my, uh, this is just a, a little summary, um, so we can get a grip on where we are and um, <laughs> spiral out into chaos from there. Um, so the book's heroes are the mice who live above ground in the skirtings and the villains are the rats who live in the sewer. Uh, these two worlds are separated by the grill and it's through the grill that a mouse called Albert finds himself slipping through um, as the story begins. Albert meets another lost mouse called Piccadilly and they are unlucky enough to come across the shrine to Jupiter, the unseen god who the rats worship. The same day that Albert disappears, his children, Audrey and Arthur, are coming of age and receiving their mouse brasses, uh, which will define their destiny. Um, but there's something unusual about the mouse brass that Audrey gets, and as she enters the sewers as well to look for her father, she and her, her companions become tangled in Jupiter's plan. 
But um, aside from Jupiter, Audrey, her brother Arthur, city mouse Piccadilly and the tiny country mouse Twit and the sensitive albino mice Oswald also have to deal with the very real dangers of the ordinary sewer rats and their known desire to peel and eat mice. There's <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with a good peel. It's so dark. Like, the idea that rats, like, peel... Like, like it's one of the things that I find really strange about. I'm sorry to interrupt the synopsis, but, like, it's so shudderingly horrible mm. to have these animals not just, like, behaving in a more human way, but also in this kind of, like, really disturbingly violent way. Like, they, they are, like... I, I mean, rats don't rats don't peel anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're classic gnawers, <laughs> and, right? Yeah. And I guess if that if there was just a lot of gnawing going on, that would definitely be like a different kind of horror. And it does kind of give us the worst of both worlds, basically. You know, they they have the kind of eat anything, everything goes, uh, gnawing rapacity of rats. Um, and those sort of animalistic instincts, but also uh, the base cunning and sadism of humans. Hmm. Yeah. Um, we get we get several examples of um, of this uh, rat tendency towards extreme violence towards one another. Um, for example. Uh, a rat called One-Eyed Jake becomes important uh, later in the book when he captures Audrey. Um, he says that the female rat who took his eye is now nicknamed Peg Leg Meg on account of him tearing her leg off. We learn about a rat called Smiler who lied to Morgan, who's Jupiter's right-hand rat, and had his lips sliced off in return. Wow. <laughs> it's banter, Ren. Harmless banter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, 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 like, I can't remember even who it is, but, like, someone ends up hiding in a pile of mouse skins, like, peeled mouse remnants. And it's it's... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, if you, if you think of it in human terms, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, you wouldn't have an issue with hiding under a pile of human skins. So, you know, I, I don't I don't see the issue, really, with a rat hiding under a pile of rat skins. <laughs> um, the, um, yes, it's, um, <laughs> it's Oswald and Piccadilly. Um, yeah. Piccadilly is the, um, is the city mouse. Oswald is a is a sort of naive um, uh, albino mouse. Um, when they're, they're in the sewer, they end up hiding from... Um, or they just end up exploring in a cave. Um, and and they find the larder. Yeah, they find the larder. <laughs> um, I'll just read... Um, just a bit of the description, um, which it comes accompanied with a a, a horrible picture of, um, I assume this is Piccadilly, um, looking stricken as he holds up a, a, a tatty scrap of mouse fur with um, haunting uh, holes where the eyes and mouth should be. Um, <laughs> you can wear it like a mask. 
<laughs> uh, not knowing what to expect, Oswald fearfully looked down at what Piccadilly was holding. It was not cloth or sacking, as Piccadilly had first thought. It was a mouse's skin. It had been a brown mouse with a splash of white on the breast. The ears were missing, and Oswald felt sick as he recalled the rat's passion for them fried and crispy. His bottom lip trembled. What a horrible thing it was. There were holes where the eyes had been and the paws and feet had been chewed off. It was a macabre trophy. Oswald began to weep. There was a mouse, he stammered through his tears, who disappeared when I was young. He lived on a landing, and he... They, they, they used to call him Bib because of a white patch on his chest. His voice broke up chokingly. <laughs> so Oswald and Piccadilly's picaresque adventures in the sewers are something of a subplot to themselves almost. And really yeah. the plotting is one damn thing after another or one absolutely horrifying thing after another basically is <laughs> <laughs> just constant yeah. peril they have a really bad time of it in this book <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and we, we yeah we're sort of having you say three subplots going on at once yeah so there's oswald and piccadilly are kind of joined together through quite a lot piccadilly's right at the start of the book um where he is accompanying uh, Albert. He somehow meets Albert. Um, we don't quite know how they met. Um, as a bump into one another, uh, and Albert's mm. gone through the grill. So uh, he's passed down into the sewers uh, and seemingly uh, meets a rather sticky end. Uh, right in the first chapter of the book, which is quite the way to start, um, the character we assume is our protagonist uh, mm. getting bumped off very quickly. And he seems like a real kind of genial chap as well. So it is quite upsetting. He's a real dad mouse. Yeah, a real dad mouse. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no more tinkering in the garage for that dad mouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Piccadilly has a pretty traumatic experience from the go-get um, and then manages to kind of escape the sewers. And then basically, because he's a really brave mouse uh, goes back in on a sort of errand basically um along with um oswald uh, who is this sort of uh... awkward lanky um mouse so i i sort of read as being dyspraxic basically hmm yeah that makes sense um and they they sorry we can say they go in um yes they go in after audrey who um who went in after her father. <laughs> so we get this chain of, of of mice going through the, the grill. And Audrey's story is kind of another subplot, and it, she's the closest thing the book has to a protagonist, I would say. Mm. Um, although there is quite a long stretch where um, we, don't, we don't sort of see her for quite a while. Um, but she's... Um, I think I found her the most immediately appealing character. Um, yeah. Like, you know, she she doesn't suffer fools gladly. Um, she is very ready to stand up for herself. Um, but she's also pretty good-natured and, and decent and courageous. Um, she's just a good egg, really. 
Uh, and, and mm-hmm. like a good egg, appears very tasty to all the rats um, <laughs> who, who are all very keen on gobbling her, well, on peeling her and gobbling her up. But um, Jupiter, uh, who's this sort of unseen commander, uh, godlike figure to the rats, uh, has insisted that they take Audrey alive. And so uh, they are forbidden from uh, squabbling mm. her. And um, this is because Audrey has figured in a prophecy um, from a rat called Madame Akikuyu, um, who who is a bit of a topic in herself. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to introduce her as the problematic rat. The problematic rat, yeah. Or problematic um, rat. Yeah, um, so she's described as a black rat from Morocco. Um, she is a fortune teller who wanders around selling potions and charms to gullible customers. And she appears first at the um, at the the mouse brass ceremony, or they talk about her at the mouse brass ceremony. Um, and uh, Oswald's mother, Mrs. Chitter, who's uh, characterised as rather vapid, uh, describes her as that awful rat woman with the shawl who came last year, the one with the foreign name. And um, to be fair, you know, she's a kind of little Englander mouse. Um, yes. Who I think, you know, we can kind of read as small-minded and prejudiced. Um, but... Um, <laughs> but uh, Madame Akikuyu is a sort of grab, ba- grab bag of racist stereotypes. Um, and her speech is kind of rendered in patois, sort of? Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I thought, like, I kept on having having moments of hoping that, um, like... <laughs> It doesn't stop it being problematic. I'm not going to remotely make the, st- the case that it doesn't. But she does have, more than any of the other rats, she does have a significant amount more kind of um, agency and we get an amount of backstory for her. Like, we're introduced to her from her point of view in a way mm. that I don't think we are with any of the other rats. Yeah, we get like, a sense of her internal world in a way. Yeah, that we, don't. we do a little bit for Morgan, but Morgan's such a kind of shallow nasty piece of work that you know it doesn't really go anywhere she's the only one that we have any kind of sense that she has a kind of depth of feeling i guess yeah yeah um yeah she is our uh, definitely our most sympathetic rat character even um though she's not uh impeachably good yeah. um, <laughs> i mean she comes as far as almost having a change of heart about giving audrey over to jupiter but yeah. um um so yeah she's it's a little um she's a bit of a a complicated case um yeah i was i was kind of uh dreading how racist it was going to be when she first got brought up and discussed by the mice and then when she first appeared for like the first couple of pages i was quite like kind of like Oh no! Actually, they're undermining a lot of that quite quickly with the 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 way just just 
how she's got to where she is and um yeah i don't know i just felt like she had like quite a strong narrative but it did very quickly just descend into no oh but actually also she's a rat so she's evil so and it mm-hmm. it was never willing to get over that and that still feels a bit shitty i mean did you have generally a problem with the rats being characterized as evil wren because you said he wanted to sort of talk about that more broadly yeah i mean i think it's um I don't think it's very clear on on um, how much of the rat's uh, nastiness is um, coming from Jupiter and how much is inherent. Um, as you said, the one the the, the clue we get to this is um, when Jupiter shouts from a crystal ball at a group of uh, rebelling rats. Um, without me, you would revert to sucking the slime from the walls as you did when I found you. I have blessed you with the thirst for blood and murder, yet you would rise against me. Um, so, but that that even that is contradicted by the fact that there's like a secret murderous rat religion that has been displaced mm. by Jupiter, and you've got like a kind of loyal follower of that, and three bloodthirsty. God statues. Oh, I was quite keen to read that section, if, if yeah. I may, because I <laughs> yeah, think okay. it's one of the most kind of outright gruesome <laughs> sections <laughs> yeah. writing of the book. Um, so the, um, the, the, the there's a rat called One Eye Jake, who uh, you've already mentioned, Ren, who clearly gives as good as he gets, uh, and uh, has already ripped the the leg off. Uh, one rat in a in a fight previously, um, and uh, we are told has um, rat cannibalistic tendencies as well. You know, he, he's eaten rats before and he liked it. Um, mm. So he's, he's a pretty pretty nasty piece of work and quite scary. And he's currently been charged uh, with well um, bringing Audrey um, to Jupiter or, or hanging on to Audrey until it's time to bring her to Jupiter, basically. Um, but uh, the rats uh, are quite easily distracted, basically. Like Jupiter, <laughs> you know, tries to get them to do all these, all of his bidding, and they they often end up sort of in their own uh, little fights and um, you know backstabbing, and and so yeah, um, Jake um, becomes apparent isn't a very devout follower of Jupiter, and instead um, follows. Uh, as you said, Ava, as of older rat religion. <clears throat> Jake turned the corner that Piccadilly had run so blindly around, pulling Audrey harshly. He had drunk too much and walked in a zigzag along the ledge. I'll show you what I really honour, he mumbled. It was damp in the tunnel and moss grew down the walls in sickly pale clumps. Jake strode up to one large patch and drew it aside. He thrust the torch in front of him. There was a passage beyond the moss leading steeply down. Jake pushed Audrey inside and followed after her. The mouse scrambled down the passage and waited at the bottom. She wondered wildly where she was being taken and why. Jake grasped her paw again and her skin crawled at his touch. Not far now, lovely, he said. The bricks were different now. 
They were older and larger than those in the main sewer. Audrey knew she was walking into a very ancient place. Marks began to appear on the walls. At first, they were meaningless scrawls, but soon she could make out pictures in the torchlight. Crude paintings telling of battle and bloodshed. They entered a great room. Jake let go of her and bowed before something she could not see. Oh, lords and lady, he said reverently. He turned on Audrey savagely. Kneel, he roared. She dropped to her knees and Jake fell silent for a moment. Oh, yes, he sighed. There are still those amongst us, just a few, who remember. My old dad was one, sort though he was. He told me, like his dad told him before. Audrey raised questioning eyes to him. Jake flourished the torch and strode to the far wall of the room. There were three altars, covered in the mouldering remains of some old offerings. Above them, painted in the primitive rat manner, were three figures. Jake went to the first. It was a crouching rat with no head, and its feet were many heads. Before his highness came all those years ago, Jake said with the wide eyes of a fanatic, there were the three gods. They were not living gods like him, but gods in the true sense. The three gods of the rats, now forgotten by all save a few dedicated ones like myself. We come here from time to time and do what worship we can. Until he goes, it won't be safe, see? Oh, I does all he asks and show humility, but that's just to save my neck. Who is that? asked Audrey. Why hasn't he got a head? That's Bukan, the artful one. He wears whatever head he likes. <laughs> Master of disguise he is. A great liar. Jake moved to the second altar. The picture above it was of a female rat with a tooth necklace and a third eye daubed on her forehead. Tassels hung from her ears. This is Mab, the sleep visitor. She comes in dreams and urges us to war. What oh, a dark one she is. Revels in slaughter. <laughs> Jake laughed madly. Jake went to the last altar. Audrey gasped when the torch revealed the painting. This was surely the most evil thing she had ever seen. It was a rat with great horns protruding from his forehead and a mass of red hair curled like a mane about him. The tail of this figure was forked and at his feet lay a mass of bloody skeletons. Lord Hob, breathed Jake. Warbringer, he turned to Audrey. These are the true gods of the rats. Fighting and slaughter's what we want, not digging in poxy mines. So it does seem like the rats have been a bit of a bad lot for quite some time. Yeah, Jupiter might be uh, trying to take credit for something that uh, they, they were doing pretty well on already. Really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you for your rap voices. Oh, thank, thank you. I was trying to work out whether Lord Hob was a reference to Robin Hob and the Red Royal books, um, <laughs> or if that's if that's a little bit too meta um, for this Robin. Wait a sec! Um, it was Robin Hob who wrote the Red Wall books. Was it not? No, maybe I might be no. no, it was uh, Brian Jacks, Brian like, my Jacks. Year nine, well, and- like my Year Nine French teacher. Well, then, it's definitely <laughs> not a reference. Who was called Brian Jacks? 
Well, it's not that then. Uh, no. I, I just have a very muddled up memory. Uh, it's a, a shame that, yeah, it wasn't Rax the Rat King. Um. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I've got that mixed up. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, so, so we kind of touched there on uh, Jupiter's plan, which involves the rats doing a lot of digging and is the site of uh, another great misfortune that befalls Oswald, um, in which uh, he and Piccadilly end up uh, running into the rat's sleeping quarters. Uh, does anyone remember what they were doing there? They were Oh, they were retrieving they were, Audrey's mouse brass. The divining rod led them uh, directly to... Uh, oh, Peeler's... Was it Peeler's uh, paw? Had it, had it wrapped in... Skinner, that's the one. Skinner, yes. Yeah, Skinner had the mouse brass in his... In his tucked in his scarf and... Uh, Skinner is a rat who has a sort of potato peeler attachment on his arm. <laughs> yeah. Well, for an arm, I thought. For an arm, yes. Um, so they, yeah, they they come right to the to the sleeping, dangling arm of Skinner, who is holding Audrey's mouse brass. Uh, they manage to take it off without waking him. Piccadilly, I think runs off with it but just as Oswald's about to leave the alarm goes for the rats to wake up and they wake up and see Oswald there Uh, but because of his unusual height and lankiness for a mouse they take him to be a, a juvenile rat and drag him off to the mine to dig with them it's really uh, creepy like he gets taken under uh, someone's wing is it Fletch Fletcher mm. Fletch um, yeah. uh, and appears to be treated very favourably but it ends horribly again oh Finn surprisingly Finn I think is it Finn is it not de- Fletch yeah Finn who's described uh, in the character profiles as a sly old worker. Sly old worker. One of his ears is missing, but he doesn't miss much. Uh. Yes, it turns out that um, that Finn is treating Oswald favourably just to get him by himself, gain his trust, and then gain him by himself and get a tasty mouse meal. Mm. Um, but... Jupiter has had the rats digging for a long while um, because <laughs> as you alluded to Adam his um his plan is uh, <laughs> I don't understand this plan in the slightest <laughs> it's a very high concept plan to to dig under Blackheath in London to where uh, there were plague pits and release the plague gas into the sewers 
Um, Which is definitely a bold move for a cat (laughs) to attempt to kind of like reinvigorate the bubonic plague. Um, I mean, I I don't really get what Jupiter's long game is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's like, it's worth remembering that while, while, while Jupiter appears to be like a kind of like grotesque ginger cat like he's clearly representing like the kind of like it's it's incredibly Lovecraftian the way that he's presented like you know he's treated as if he is an old ancient force that doesn't I, I don't know I can imagine not comprehending time enough to care about anything apart from like oh there's an opportunity here to just like cause an enormous amount of death like let's go for it I mean I guess that's um, probably how cats do think so (laughs) there's some unspeakable horror here let's have a little play (laughs) (laughs) just batting a little ball of plague flesh around like a a ball of yarn um Um, (laughs) yeah um the, the the reveal incidentally that Jupiter is a cat only comes right at the end of oh, the book. Oh sorry, I've spoiled it. It's, no. <laughs> um and um uh, all all we um all we see is uh is Jupiter's eyes and hear his voice, but um But the but the full reveal of Jupiter when we discover Jupiter is a cat is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that I was slightly that. disappointed that it was the one thing that I could remember was, oh yeah, Jupiter's a cat was the the thing that had stuck with me from when I was little, so there was no kind of mystery there this time around, it was just and I can't remember whether I when I figured it out or whether it was just that reveal that there's nothing really really hinted at until then But yeah, a super gross cat Yeah, I've got I've got the description here um, well, I think that might be my um, texture of the week. Oh, okay. Shall we? Sorry, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll do it. I'll do it in my rat voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, texture, texture of the week. Texture, texture of the week. Of the week. <laughs> that was my peeler. Um. <laughs> Um. Yeah, do, do you want to go go ahead, Adam? No, no, you read it. Um, I read the last one. Okay. Um. So it's all the rumors, all the legends, and all the horror stories were wrong. But the reality of the dark god was much worse. Jupiter did not have two heads. His one huge head was nightmarish enough. The most high satanic majesty was a monstrous cat. So massive and bloated was he that he could barely squeeze himself through the archway. His hideous face was covered with repulsive warts, and everywhere poisonous boils poked through his ginger fur. A squat purple nose sat in the middle of his face, and bulging rolls of flat of fat hung heavily beneath his open mouth. Slowly he pulled his hump back under the arch. James the Cat. <laughs> Chasing birds and butterflies, James the Cat. Yeah. He's a portly puddy cat. 
it does kind of lean into that kind of like faintly fat phobic kind of thing of from then on every time he's mentioned every adjective is just another way of saying that he's a bit like rather than focusing on like the kind of yeah there's a lot of unpleasant horrible texture there but that just disappears for the rest of it and it just becomes like oh it's just a very big cat um Mm -hmm. which kind of i didn't like so my um my texture of the week is uh going back to the beginning um which we haven't talked about um what happens to audrey during the uh, mouse brass festival the uh, they set up a sort of a little kind of ghost train for the um for the mice to <laughs> to go through um when to, before they receive their receive their mouse brass um from uh from a villager who's dressed as uh, the the green mouse um but in Audrey's um case the the sort of show that they're putting on becomes real um and she gets she the mouse brass that she receives isn't one that they was put into the bag <laughs> um and it is the one with the picture of the cat so that's the hint that you get um of jupiter's true yeah. form not that i got that at all as i <laughs> never never know can ne- can never spot a twist coming but <laughs> Maybe if you could, you, you'd pick that up. But um, not even a goosebumps twist when it's like, <laughs> ah, it's a monster at the door. Oh no, actually, it was my dog wearing a monster mask. <laughs> I mean, that one might be about my my level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something interesting in that, like, because it's a, a cat charm, you expect there to be a cat at some point. But there's mm. also like in the uh, vision that Madame Akikuyu uh, has when talking to Audrey, like there's a whole load of stuff foreshadowed there that that hasn't happened yet. That's from later in the series, and mm. ah. I think so. Like, and I don't know. It feels clear that there's there's so much going on there that you don't know when stuff is being hinted for. So I don't think I don't think mm. it's a dead giveaway that the the mouse brass is a cat. Because yeah. you don't know where it's going to become relevant. Mm. Um, so, as we're having so many um, horrible, grimy, and gruesome textures, I chose a nice texture, which is um, when Audrey is seeing the uh, the the show come to life, and it says um, everything glowed green like the sun through the leaves. Blossoms fell in a snowstorm of multicolours and fruit took its place, expanding and growing quickly. Apples puffed up and shone red and green. Pears filled out sensually and hung heavy and ponderous on the branches. Acorns and hazelnuts browned in the sunshine before dropping to the floor. Audrey could see whole fields of grain rippling like strange yellow seas. Mm. That's rather lovely. Yeah. Hmm. It's definitely a very uh, pro-pagan um, uh, uh, book. Um, oh yes, indeed. Like the, the the green mouse and the the kind of like wildlife imagery of everything is very 
mm. well well put across and yeah it's there's just there's so much weird imagery in there and i think that there's some really interesting tensions between stuff i mm. quite like you see i assumed you were all going to do horrible textures so i picked a nice one as well in the end actually. <laughs> Um, and i'm not even sure if it qualifies as a texture it just made me uh really yeah it just felt really really beautiful which is uh, well if there's a lesson from our podcast it's clearly that anything could be a texture (laughs) (laughs) there's one thing you learn kids (laughs) everything's a texture now um uh and it's actually just a texture of the moonlight falling upon the skirtings when audrey first uh makes her first trip down below um uh, Mm. the moon was high when audrey slipped out of bed carefully she dressed anxious not to wake arthur she yawned sleepily and tied the pink ribbon in her hair in the moonlight the silver bells looked like small blue globes audrey picked them up gingerly and they, they made no noise she slipped them onto the end of her tail and moved silently out of the skirtings in the dark the hall was a different world Tall shadows covered the walls, altering them into areas of pale moonlight and black caverns, deep shade and soft moon glow. Audrey could not tell the solid objects from the illusions. She noticed that all the decorations had been cleared. Audrey was glad of that. She remembered the hateful masks and nameless horrors of the cold. Crossing the hall, Audrey took deep breaths and dug her nails into her palms. The long shadows of the banister rail scored her path with deep diagonal stripes. Oh, it's a good texture. (laughs) Just banister shadows is apparently my texture of the week. Mm, mm. Love it, love it. (laughs) Love a good banister shadow. (laughs) So that kind of covers Audrey. I mean, we stay with her quite a lot at the start of the book with her mouse brass ceremony and then venturing out to try to find her missing father, Albert, into the sewers. Um, but then after meeting Madame Akikoku, she uh, kind of gets bonked on the head and kidnapped, and we don't see her for quite a while, until mm. right near the end of the book, really. Um, and we've talked about Oswald and Piccadilly. Um, and then, really, the other kind of subplot is that of... Twit and uh, salty sea dog mouse Thomas Triton. Mm. Ah, the midship mouse. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Twit's a field mouse. Uh, I say Twit. Um, can you remember what Twit? So Twit. I feel a bit bad calling Twit. It's William Scuttle. Thank you. Is, yeah. Is. So William Scuttle was sort of accepted that he's called Twit, even though really it's quite an insulting name. Um, the idea is it's sort of related in the form of a folk ballad that um, he was the progeny of a city mouse and a country mouse, basically, and uh, never the twain shall mix or something. And so the idea is um, that he's um, slow, basically, um, and so has been kind of mercilessly... It's interesting, it shows us sort of the, the mice in a slightly different light, because normally the mice are you know, mm. very genial, but uh, apparently, um, yeah, not always very tolerant, and so you get the sense that um, Twit has kind of grown up uh, being the butt of a lot of jokes, basically, and has kind of um, resigned himself to this, I suppose. 
Hmm. As kind of being seen as stupid, basically. Um, but um, he, he seems to kind of... I don't know. It's an interest. It's a really interesting character. <laughs> it's interesting because he's he's presented as that by the people around him, but like he doesn't actually appear that. Like you know, he it, it's it makes quite clear that he is uh, great, basically. <laughs> like you know, he's he's uh, uh, lovely and goes on these adventures and just takes it all in stride, despite it being quite an overwhelming set of things so i think it um i think it is asking us to kind of think again about those sort of assumptions about um yeah about intelligence yeah about intelligence and and how that is assessed and viewed by people um which is nice i like i like it when stories note that actually everyone is pretty great this story doesn't do that (laughs) wait a second (laughs) clearly uh, assumes that there's plenty of others that can be treated as monstrous peelers, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's nice that there's some of that in there. I think his first adventure really is to uh, go and see uh, the bats, who are definitely the bearers of the claim of the week award. <laughs> uh, although they make quite confusing and opaque claims. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the, the bats are sort of who the mice uh, traditionally go to if they need um, some form of soothsaying. Um, although um, uh, when they're talking about it at the, at the mouse brass ceremony, they seem uh, quite quite dismissive of a uh, of, of the bats' advice. Um, and it is pretty cryptic. Um, the twit's very taken with it, right? Mm. His, uh, Arthur, Audrey's um, brother Arthur goes to see the bats um, and doesn't really make head or tail of what they're saying. But um, but Twit um, is sort of sneaking along and overhears what, they, what they're saying. And then uh, steps out of the shadows to talk to the bats himself. And they end up swooping him up and taking him high in the air across London. Until they uh, get bored and um, drop him down on um, on what turns out to be... The Cutty Suck. Yeah, a sort of dry docked barge or boat of sorts. Do we get what kind of boat it is? I'm not sure. Um, well, it is the Cutty Suck, isn't it? Yeah, no, it does. It explicitly says it's the Cutty Suck. Oh, is that an actual boat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, um, yeah, well, you, you Londoners. Well, Ren, um, <laughs> I am not a Londoner. No. <laughs> um, so, so I don't. What is the Cutty Sark apart from a curiously named boat? Um, 
It's just a tall ship, is it? Is it not? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, um, it's got some history that I don't know, but it's a, it's a tall ship more moored up in Greenwich Docks, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but it's it's a thing I went to. I visited once or twice as a kid. Um, yeah, I imagine I if you grow up in London, you get taken on school trips to the Cutty Sark. Like, it's, yeah, it's definitely that to, sort of museum. <laughs> There's the Cutty Sark and the the Greenwich. Uh, museum um and the 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 the, uh, the greenwich meridian line so you can be mm. like oh time zones here's the line wow. so it's kind of the london equivalent of sutton who in suffolk which is, is oh. um, where oh, we're all ta- we're always taken to as kids yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, twit goes on a on a school trip to the cutty sark um <laughs> a bat <laughs> accidentally trip. Yeah. a bat trip um, the bat, and, the, uh, the flight with the bats is like brilliant. <laughs> like, like ge- genuinely manages to make it as scary as that as that should be. And something about the fact that he's being like, uh, yeah, being mocked by these bats at the same time as they are like giving him like a kind of like once in a lifetime experience. <laughs> is mm. there's something about it? The the, the way it sits in the narrative yeah i remember like my eyes went wide when i was reading it which i think is quite a an impressive thing mm. i mean it, it, it's kind of like the um walking in the air sequence in the snowman but if the snowman <laughs> was a jerk <laughs> and like yeah. just like insulting the kid all the time and like dunking his head <laughs> yeah. in water and stuff <laughs> Yeah, if, if Raymond Briggs had been more of a bully, it's <laughs> exactly what the snowman would have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so yeah, and on the on this boat, um, uh, Twit meets Thomas Triton, midship mouse, and sort of gets him involved in this adventure as well. Well, surely in the books to come, there must be more of this Thomas Triton because you get the sense that Thomas Triton has quite the uh, rich uh, backstory that we are yet to be privy to. Um, mm. You know, he he he's, he has to kind of catch himself when he talks of, you know, past troubles and the reason he no longer goes to sea. Um, but then, yeah, it never it's never revealed. So he's a, he's a, mm. a, ma- a mouse of mystery. <laughs> Mm. Did did you have a, a claim of the week from the bats, Adam? Um, well, not not sort of anything the bats say, really. Uh, did you? <laughs> no. Um, I. I mean, they, I, they you know I've they, lost they... the entire portion of the book where the bats are. I, what, I... what do you mean you lost it? <laughs> did it fall <laughs> out of your book? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I assume it's still in there somewhere, but um. I'm um, clicking through and I've got page nothing. 88 in my edition, if that's helpful. Uh, yeah, I think that's helpful. Thereabouts. I mean, you know, they, they, they speak of great fire and flood. Yeah, I think and that's other, just uh, a apoc- lot earlier than I was expecting. A lot so. of uh, apocalyptic visions. Yes. Like, what, what did you imagine their accents to be like? Um, Like someone doing Shakespeare. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Sort of amateur Shakespeare um, <laughs> actor bats is what I 
I imagined. Um, and they do come across as kind of jerk-ass bats, but <laughs> they do... But they are, uh, they are on it, aren't they? They, are, they? they do appear to be correct. They Not only do they appear to be correct, but they do um, surprisingly come back right at the end of the fight against Jupiter yeah. and help save the They're day, which was a bit get, of a surprise. It's lovely to have an oracle that's willing to get stuck in, you know. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> like, I, I mean, I guess bats hate cats just as much as mice do apparently i mean bats are kind of mice with wings so uh have any of your cats ever managed to eat a bat (laughs) (laughs) it's like the um in um alice in wonderland uh, (laughs) that, that made me laugh like uproariously as a kid when uh, Alice is falling down the rabbit hole and she starts wondering, do cats eat bats? Do bats eat cats? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I would be very upset if I, uh, if I, and a cat who um, successfully caught a bat because uh, I'm rather fond of bats. I promise this isn't entirely a non-secretaire, but like the most terrifying thing that I've ever seen on the telly was the giant centipede that dangles from cave ceilings and grabs bats out of the out of the caves uh. in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh my god, I couldn't sleep for ages. Oh no, oh, yeah, da- I David that. That's, all, uh, that's <laughs> awful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we like bats. We don't want them to be eaten by uh, centipedes. Or cats. Oh, I bet, oh, I bet I'm going to have a nightmare about that now. <laughs> I mean, it'll be a flying dream as well. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm having a flying dream. And then I'll, look at myself, I'll be like, oh, no, I'm a bat. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then the centipede will come. Um, sh- shall we, uh, yeah, shall we talk about the, the, the final fight with Jupiter? The final boss battle. Boss the boss battle, battle. <laughs> yeah. Um, like on an online MMORPG. Uh, <laughs> we have all the characters with their maxed out stats, uh, each working together in unison to defeat the boss. Mm. Yeah, yeah it, it's uh, pretty epic. It's, it's good, it's good. Um, um, <laughs> Audrey has a particularly... Uh, uh, brilliant line where she says, uh, where she faces Jupiter and says, "You don't frighten me anymore. Before I die, I curse you with all my strength and all my faith in the green mouse. You are an abomination in nature. Choke on my bones." <laughs> <laughs> it's very badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a proper the eighties action film. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> or Alan and... Partridge. Choke on my bones! <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um... Yeah, so, so they're, they're, all, they're all fighting with, um... with Jupiter. And, you know, they're, they're all down here at this point, even now. Audrey's mum has made it into the sewer... Oh, yeah, I like that, that, you know, um, she's grieving her husband for most of it. And, you know, she doesn't leave the house. And then at the end, she's like, right, I'm going to go and kill this Jupiter. That was, that was pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, I, I really, really liked the, the, the kind of 
joining of everyone together when they kind of like form the form the posse where she slowly realizes that it, her entire family is about go to go into this dread sewer and instead of like resisting them anymore she's just like right well if you're going I'm gonna mm. go and uh, does she have a weapon of some kind? Yeah, she has a so sword. Like, she's got a sword. Like, yeah, we don't, sword we don't even know where, it's, where it comes no, it's, from. But she just goes upstairs and comes. <laughs> they've all got right. sticks. She goes upstairs and like, right, like, yeah, here's the sword. <laughs> Saving it for a rainy day. <laughs> the entire Brown family gets tooled up to get down in the sewers to save Audrey. And, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's um, pretty cool. It's like proper tooling up sequence, and yeah, they go. Yeah. And there's something really sweet in there. Uh, like the 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 busybody um, aunt mouse, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Chitter, Mrs. Chitter, like the her watching them all go into the grill and being genuinely terrified is a really like it's a really sweet little angle on that moment as well that I really like. Yeah, the the camera stays with her as it were. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, all alone, without even the cold company of the moonlight, Mrs. Chitter sat outside the skirtings and waited. A great silent tear welled up and slid down her cheek. She bent her head and prayed. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. great setup for a final boss battle. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, so Audrey um, hurls her. Um, her mouse brass towards Jupiter, saying, this is for my father. Um, the charm glitters, uh, hits Jupiter's head, explodes in green fire, um, fires in Jupiter's fur, green flames jumping out of his face. <laughs> he, he, he falls down um, into, the, into the sewer, but uh, catches on, you know, manages to, to stick in on the ledge. Um digging his claws into the brickwork going, you cannot defeat me um, but at that moment uh, they think he's going to claw his way back up in the water below him it says um, faint blue lights began to appear around the struggling monster they glimmered underneath the waves steadily growing brighter Audrey rubbed her eyes what are they? she asked but when she turned to the others it was obvious that none of them could see them No, cried Jupiter suddenly. It cannot be. Slowly he sank deeper into the water. Audrey stood transfixed by the sight she was witnessing. Ghostly blue arms rose out of the depths and small paws clutched at the ginger fur. Every mouse that Jupiter had tortured and devoured had returned from the other side to claim him. With the strength of death, they pulled him down. (laughs) Weirdly similar to... Have you listened to the Decemberists album, The Hazards of Love? No. It's weirdly similar. There's a kind of nasty rake um, in that album. He's just called The Rake, who's uh, murdered his infant children. And at the end of the concept album, he's uh, pulled down uh, into the bottom of a river to drown uh, by the ghosts of his dead children. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's I a d- classic. <laughs> 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 dragged down into the depths by by your your ghostly victims is a is a hazard of the murdering profession i think <laughs> um and um it's quite nice that as, uh, after after that audrey gets her kind of like reconciliation with the ghost of her dad and like 
again, one of those sweetly observed little moments is Audrey accepting that Arthur, that Albert is uh, is dead. Um, yeah. is actually the climax of the of that scene and and that's that's beautiful it's it's sweet it's a little bit of death acceptance and um yeah at the end of like such a bold dramatic thing it ends quite sharply and abruptly with like a load of tears and then uh, a, a cryptic threat of what's to come Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you say you say sort of bold and dramatic. It's, it's funny because you know I, I've had a very epic, and then but if you step back and think, what would this actually look like? It'd be hideous <laughs> if you imagine a scene set in a horrible, stinking sewer and a giant kind of tomcat being set about by a bunch <laughs> of um, mice and bats and a uh, bat that... carrying a mouse with a sword, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> And that literally carrying a mouse with a sword through the air to get at the head <laughs> of the tomcat. Okay. Come on, come on, give it some credit. <laughs> it is that. It is that interesting thing throughout the whole thing. There's the question of scale, like because you're looking mm-hmm. at everything at this particular scale, like it's it's it is dramatic and it is big and it is terrifying. But again, like actually, I don't know. There was a little. Um, there was a grill on the front of our house, um, uh, if I remember rightly, that kind of like led down into the cellar. And I remember looking at that and thinking, like, "Oh, right, that's like the grill that they won't they won't go through in that." And then, as as even a, a small human <laughs> looking <laughs> looking at the grill, it's like, "Oh, yeah, no, it's just a grill." <laughs> Well, well um, you say just a grill, but a really good line, um, in which Arthur begins to wonder if the grill was alive in some mysterious way. Had Jupiter imbued it with life and thought? Arthur was not sure. A few days ago, he would have laughed at such a suggestion, but not now. Um, I think it's a shame that um, we don't get the wonderful talking singing animated grill that uh, presumably uh, the animated film version of this book would include <laughs> i wanted the grill to talk <laughs> it's called the dark portal not the talk portal um that doesn't work um <laughs> uh, um. i think there's something that was one thing i wanted to mention as well is like there, there's there's something really nice about the fact that the dark portal refers to both the grill and like the the cave where where jupiter lives um mm. and that that kind of like double ominousness that, that kind of enthralls things and those kind of like thresholds into different kinds of darkness um is really vivid throughout it i'm the grill i'm such a thrill if you enter me you'll get a chill <laughs> I, I think that loses some of the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, so this is us. We, we've come to the end of a book so full of horrors that we didn't even think it was worth mentioning that a rat gets incinerated, starting with the tail, and then <laughs> going up to the rest of the the rats until they're a pile of dust. That is a. Uh, that's just par for the course in this book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, right at the end, the, the last line, um, the, the bat, Orpheo, it's a, Lois has foxy head behind his wings, 
until the summer, he said darkly. So I'm assuming that's where we will take this up again in the crystal prison um, when we get to that in a couple of weeks. Oh, I see what you mean, because by the time we get to it, it won't be spring anymore. It will be summer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in the books. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so, yeah, thank you again, Ava, for taking the time to... To talk about mice and rats you wildly and in weird directions that are entirely irrelevant. Yeah, no, that's that's that, that's good. Um, it it, it <laughs> distracts me from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't stop you being a talking grill, Adam. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> um, uh, so our intro music is by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro music is by Joe Kelly. Our artwork's by Letty Wilson. You can find us on Twitter at, at @stillscaredpod or email us at stillscaredpodcast at gmail.com. And I'm not going to let you off this week. Adam, do you have a sign-off for us? Oh, I thought you were going to say, listeners, I'm going to let you off this week without reviewing us. <laughs> ah. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, good night, creepy kids, and don't lose your skins. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. No, please don't. Um, that would be very upsetting. Unless you want to. Night. <laughs> Next Bye. time, creepy kids. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>